Hey there! It looks like Tootie is sick. She is going to need lots of rest and the right help to get better. Let's see how Tootie is feeling now. Wow, Tootie, you are very hot and you have a fever. I think you need to see the doctor. The doctor? I don't know about that. I don't like doctors. Tootie, doctors are great. They know all kinds of things about our bodies. Yes, and a doctor is someone who can help you when you are sick or hurt. Right. I don't want to see the doctor. But Tootie, last time I got sick, the doctor gave me some tummy medicine, and it made me all better. Yeah, and when I uh, hurt my eye, the doctor gave me some medicine and this eye patch to help my eye feel better. Yeah, doctors are nice. When you are hurt or you get really sick, there is someone who will help you feel better quick. We have a friend who can make us all better. shapes and sizes. Plex and I know the perfect doctor to help you, Tootie. Plex, if you will. Right, DJ Lance. One doctor coming up. Well, hello. I'm Dr. Tony. What seems to be the problem here? Hello, doctor. This is Tootie, and she doesn't feel well. Well, hello, Tootie. You don't feel good, huh? Uh. <coughs> it's okay, Tootie. I'm here to help you get all better. You know we're talking about the doctor, doctor. 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 You know we're talking about the doctor. Hmm. So you've been coughing and sneezing? Yeah. And your temperature is pretty hot, Tootie. It looks like you have a cold. Don't worry, Tootie. I'm going to help you get better in no time. Because you're the doctor? That's right, Tootie. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. Leave a lot out when I tell the truth. I think it's the same with people. I've seen the little details, so specific things about that movie that I miss. I always miss. So no yours, because I can never just sell you raps. This is my life laid on raps. I'm Joe Stracci. And I better start writing this down. Episode 27. The Doctor. Suicide is a lot like poison ivy. 
As a person prone to depression, this is something I've come to realize. But let's back up for a second. As a native of the Bronx, I spent the first 25 years of my life 100% unbothered by the presence of, or fear of encountering, poison ivy. But then, I moved to the woods in Connecticut with my wife, into a house on 11 acres of land, a breeding ground for Toxicodendron radicans. Toxicodendron radicans. And I became well acquainted. 15% of the population is unaffected by an encounter with poison ivy. Or at least they don't register an allergic reaction to urushiol. It's the compound in the plant sap that causes the contact dermatitis it is infamous for. I am not one of those people. My poison ivy reactions are swift and severe, often ending in weeping wounds and 2 a.m. tub soaks and oatmeal baths. But back to suicide. I've dealt with depression for as long as I can remember, even encountering hidden stalactites of memory from time to time from my childhood, when I realized with my adult brain that what was impossible to understand then as a panic attack or a particularly bad stretch mentally was the black fog already staining my thoughts as young as 12, 11, 10 years old. There's a contradictory web that links all of the different strands of depression, alienation, sadness, fear, guilt, self-hate, all of the usual suspects. Everyone is different, and to make matters more difficult, I've found that depressive people often push back against the idea that anyone can understand, wrestle with, even empathize with how they are feeling. Even though so often, what we are crying out for is friendship, comfort, love, and companionship. It's a complicated, delicate ballet, further complicated by the fact that it is often only taking place inside one's skull. As the writer David Foster Wallace, a famous suicide victim himself, once pointed out, there should be no surprise that the most common method of suicide often involves inflicting mortal damage to the head. And at this point, it's worth noting that almost all of my heroes are dead, often at their own hand. It started with Kurt Cobain, and continues on up until this day with the newest member of the club, Anthony Bourdain. It was his suicide at age 61 in 2018 that necessitated my writing this. I had to get the thoughts out of my, well, you get the point. And this is another dirty secret of the depressive crowd. We are drawn to other depressives. Whether we like it or not, fixate at best and idolize, at worst, those who manage to take that final step. There's a reason suicides of those in the popular culture are met with the reflexive step of posting suicide hotline numbers for all to see. They won't help the deceased. They're meant to act as a stopgap for those who, encouraged, even embarrassed into action, might follow. I'm able to keep an eye out for poison ivy now. I know where it grows, 
and what it looks like. I scoured my property for it when we moved a few years ago, but because I enjoy taking care of the property myself, I'll always encounter it. Interactions are limited, but they happen, no matter how careful I am. But here's the rub, pun intended. The old poison ivy encounters, they come back. This is not uncommon. New encounters with poison ivy reactivating past encounters. And this is where I keep the promise I made to you at the beginning of this. Learning of the suicide of someone you loved or trusted or admired, there isn't just a sadness. There isn't just a shock. There's the reactivating of all of the past wounds, of all of the times in the past when you, godless creature that you are, felt like you were pinned to the bed by nothing. All the times when you just imagined it, just allowed yourself the thought. It's all rubbed raw, exposed, and you're terrified and chastened and maybe, in only the most fucked up of ways, jealous. Because really, what do you say when you're writing about someone you didn't actually know, now that they're gone? That's right, Tootie. I am, I am. Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential, the book that plucked him from a mediocre midtown kitchen and placed him in the public's eye, was given to me by another important depressive in my life, my father. By 2000, he understood, or at least had given up trying to suppress, my infatuation with punk rock and the counterculture, and he knew about my love of days gone by Manhattan, and the Lower East Side especially, and that this swarthy punk rock chef telling the mainstream to stick it where the sun don't shine, this denizen of days gone by Manhattan would be right up my alley, and he was. I followed him from that book to a cook's tour and then to the television shows, first on Food Network and then on the Travel Channel and then CNN. And at some point along the way, I realized that I was sharing him with millions of other people. So here's the simplest way to say it. I can't believe Tony Bourdain killed himself, mostly because I 100% believe that Tony Bourdain would have scoffed at the notion of someone like Tony Bourdain killing himself. I can see the episode now, him doing the voiceover and that tone of voice he used that conveyed, I'm smirking right now because this fucking amuses me, saying something like, apparently this is the very same hotel room that the globe-trotting maximalist Anthony Bourdain offed himself in, and after a cut to a shot of the bathroom, him saying, Ooh, a new bathrobe. No need to wonder about the strength of that belt. That one's got five stars on Yelp. As a father of three, I also find him abandoning an 11-year-old to understand his death reprehensible. But that's the mindfuck of depression. The blackness blocks out your ability to see clearly anything than what's beyond your own fucked up skull. The thing I'm left struggling with the most is that I knew. Depressives always know. You throw out clues, signs, they feel like screaming. You even revisit them. The internet, modern life, sure, 
it's made it easier. But for me, a 38-year-old, it has always been this way. Relaying my mood to others via song choice, novel quotes, away messages, movie lines. For me, songs flip the switch. My wife knows. She knows what it means when she hears them, knows to batten down the hatches. So what was Bourdain's clue? He had a life built for Instagram. Foreign locales, beautiful sunrises, wine and exotic situations. Plates of food, everything from a humble peasant stew to three Michelin star cuisine. And as a film fanatic, despite what I'm sure were misgivings about social media and living in the moment, he couldn't resist something like Instagram. Posting almost a thousand times in six years. But what always stuck out to me was a specific type of video Bourdain would post during the final couple years of his life since Instagram introduced the feature, the story. It was almost always the same. Bourdain alone in a usually beautiful hotel room recording video about chest height out of the window. Tokyo, Rome, New York City, etc. Playing in the background would be the typical aging hipster playlist. New York Dolls, Nancy Sinatra, The Ramones, and that was it. 15 seconds, a quick steady pan, maybe sometimes catching his reflection in the glass if it was dark enough outside. I was scared of those videos, and I hid my fear behind surface level annoyance. I pretended to myself like their selfie-style vanity annoyed me. Yes, we get it. Nice hotel room, prick. But deep down, I knew. I knew what they meant. They were an SOS to the others out there. The bat signal for depressives, who knew what was being conveyed. That's right, Tootie. I am. I am alone. This is beautiful. I am repulsively lucky. And we almost universally aspire to be right here right now, and I am still alone. Help. Because the past encounters, they reactivate. An itch. Contact dermatitis, but of the fucking soul. I've taught writing students over the years that when analyzing any piece of writing, it is always important to remember that everything on the page is a choice. If no choices were made, the page would be blank. I like to think that that advice carries over into life sometimes, especially when considering those who create. Past the shock, past the disgust, past the sadness, Bourdain's end should come as no surprise. And it rubs off on me and reactivates so many old wounds. And I pick at them and it infects. And I am the weeping wound, because for a depressive, any suicide serves as both a reminder and a testament. But when it's a person like Tony Bourdain, if he can't shoulder the weight, if he can't keep moving, well, then anything seems possible. Those hotel videos, his Instagram stories, he should have paid attention. I should have paid attention. He finally gave up sending the SOS. He knew those videos would disappear after 24 hours. 
You don't even have to save them to your phone if you don't want to. After all, maybe this time wouldn't be the time. But the encounters, they accumulate and reactivate. And most of us, we're susceptible. Doesn't matter who you are. Only 15% of the population records no allergic reaction. For more information about I Better Start writing this down, visit ibetterstart.net. I Better Start writing this down is adamant that if this episode has you thinking your own complicated thoughts about suicide, that first, you're not alone. And second, you can call 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And speak with someone right now. You can find us on social media, but never Facebook. I Better Start should be our username. That's it. Hopefully, you wrote it down. Describe witches to me. Okay, witches, I'm thinking of like an old lady. Yeah. Pimply noses. No. Green. No. Hats. No. Eat children. Yes. Rooms, yes. You know, just like always like, <laughs> no! That is not a witch. Sorry. Oh. Well, then explain witches to me. I'm a witch. Witches are spiritual people. They do eat children, bad witches, and they do fly on brooms. But the brooms are not like you think, they're like sticks, big sticks. Okay. And a ribbon, maybe a string uh-huh. with twigs tied to it. Okay. And the technique of the broom was from a long time ago because there was a lot of witches in the history. Right. And I'm a witch. I don't look like that. I don't eat children. I don't fly on a broom. I don't have green pimply skin. I don't have hats. You are missing a couple of teeth, though. Why would I loosen my teeth? That's true. So yeah, tell tell me more. And witches are like old people, but they're not like green pimply skin. They have like purple hair maybe. And some kids are witches. The boys don't believe me, but some of them do. Like maybe Wyatt does. Well, Thea does not. You're a shawl. You're 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 a, you're a you're a shawl. You're a shawl. I don't even. God damn it. Gotta use the spammy page again. Where's you're you're a. Urushial. That can't be it. Urushial. That's kind of what I said. Urushial. Alright, the slow thing just throws me off even more. Toxicodendron rotacans. How do you pronounce it? Give me the little button. Why won't the button work? Why does this look like such a terrifyingly spammy page?
Toxicodendron radicans. Toxicodendron radicans.